0: Hi, I'm Jess.
1: And I'm George.
0: And I'm Ground Zero. And this is
1: Trans-pantastic. Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens in between.
0: We have Child Zero with us today, who is affectionately termed Ground Zero because... They were the ground zero for George's parenting adventures. I like it. (laughs) It works. We brought you on today to talk about your experience as a genderqueer person, and you are coming into this identity now over the past couple months. And I thought it would be really valuable for some of our listener friends to hear the experiences of someone who is just now coming into their identity. Because George and I, when we started this podcast, we were pretty solidly established in who we were as people.
2: Yeah, I'm still learning, but I'm coming more into it than I have been in the past. So would you describe your identity to us, just how you consider yourself to be a
0: human right now?
2: I think as much as I as I go into it, a gender is probably more of it because I don't see myself as a girl or a boy. And I'm still finding that a little weird.
0: It takes some getting used to when you've been raised in the heteronormativity. And that's what we talked about last week, George and I was the the way that the culture trains us to see things as black and white, male and female, straight or gay, everything is a binary. And you're like, no, I'm neither.
2: Exactly. And and that's what's messed with me over the years because I felt so weird and I never understood why. Isn't it great to have a reason? Yeah. (laughs) But it's still trying to normalize it in my brain. Yeah. So you say that like all these
0: years you felt, do you have any examples like growing up of some of the situations in which that
2: was especially apparent to you? Not fitting in with any gender necessarily girls, they have a distinct way of doing things, you know, and I don't know, they feel... <laughs> George is
0: over here doing the crazy hand side next to his head.
2: <laughs> um, and I, I feel like they do things a certain way and I always get looked at a little bit differently and so I've never felt, you know, I fit in with the girls. Boys, they look at me like I'm still a girl, but I like to do the guy things a lot more than I do the girl things, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still categorized as a girl. I, it just feels weird to me because it's hard to describe.
0: It, it It is hard to describe, especially when you're only coming into an understanding of the terminology and the aspects of existence that are not what you've been trained up in. But it's good that you're making as many words as you have as far. So sort of like when I told you that like George's cousin Vinny is genderqueer and sort of feels like a mixture of both and neither. And that I also feel like a mixture of both and neither, which you kinda jaw drop because my presentation is fairly
2: femme. Right. But then you were like I was like, you can do that. And but I think I felt that way when I first was described that there was such thing as gay because I didn't even know what gay was till eighth grade. And I'd always been called that, but I was I didn't understand what that was. And I was like, you can wait, I don't have to be with a boy?
0: <laughs> that, yes, is that I think that's the experience for a lot of queer people who you know other people recognize it before they do, and they get called the thing before they understand what is the thing.
2: Yes, and, yes, but I didn't ever feel like a normal lesbian per se.
0: No, and that's understandable if you are a gender. Lesbians are women who like women, and you're not a woman. I'm a meat popsicle. <laughs> 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 Confirmed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really it.
2: Around the second grade, as far back as I can remember, I would get the girls to chase me down the field, and then I would fake fall, so they would land on top of me, they'd trip and land onto me. And I didn't understand why I did that. I just knew I liked doing it. And the with the boys though, it was more of let's play or I'm going to pick on you. I'd throw their backpacks under the street.
0: Yes. Antagonization or fraternization.
2: So looking back, it was, I was more flirting with the girls and just being normal friends with the boys. That makes sense. About what age did they start to sort of reject you as other? Do you remember? Always. Always? It was definitely probably the first time I went to school, kindergarten, first grade. Mm -hmm. I never fit in. Did
0: your caregivers, and I know you've had many, police your
2: presentation much as you were growing up. Completely biologicals. She would curl my hair and put me in dresses with the tights and I was always fighting it. I wanted to put on the tennis shoes and jeans and t shirts and other caregivers would scrutinize me having too baggy of a pants. I need to have more feminine presence. And when I was in ROTC they wanted me to take a boy to military ball. I took a gay boy. Good for you. <laughs> that
0: that sucks. That totally sucks. And so was it very different for you then coming into like each successive household? Because again, like I said, you had a few before you settled in here. Sort of learning to adapt to new expectations, a new set of standards around not only personal presentation, but around who they expected you to be as a part of their household,
2: Completely. They all had a different idea of how to do things, but it was always, always getting talked down to in a way. They automatically wanted you to know their way of doing things. And if you had a different way, I don't even know how to describe it.
0: It's, it's not acceptable. You are somehow less than because you are different.
2: Always. And the ones that had like kids of their own, I had to respect them more. Like they had more respect and they could talk down to me and I wasn't allowed to defend myself.
0: That sucks, especially if we we're, were the other kids and other families fairly heteronormative, cisnormative,
2: completely. So not only was I not sure of who I was and completely confused by that, but then being scrutinized by them, people who are supposed to be my family, just made it so much more confusing. Because I did want to fit in, I did want to be normal, but I did not know how. It's because you're not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were 16, then
0: after all of these other traumatic experiences. You joined George's
2: family. It was a really different experience. Unfortunately, I was so angry about my past experiences. I don't think I gave George the full opportunity to teach me the ways of, you know, how to be loved in a way uh, that, you know, I was okay. But how it was different when I came to George's house, first thing they did was take an inventory of what I actually had. And most caregivers had taken all the money they had earned, taking it for themselves, I had Mm -hmm. like two pairs of pants, a couple shirts, no hygiene products, nothing of my own. George took me shopping and got me clothes, got me hygiene products. We even got a basketball hoop, put it up in a lightning storm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's my man. (laughs) He's over here grimacing.
2: This is my first good experience. I'll always remember that. I do regret not being able to fully soak it all in.
0: I think at that point you were so steeped in trauma and your brain was bathed in those chemicals related to the trauma that there, there wasn't a way for you to have any socio emotional learning in that moment
2: definitely not i was, I was an angry child
0: yeah understandably <laughs> so so when you came into that home then how was your gender and your presentation approached you said that a lot of your prior families had really policed that how did they address it or did they
2: They encouraged me to be who I wanted to be. If I wanted to dye my hair a funky color, have a fro, wear baggy clothes, they were for it, whatever I was comfortable. In a way, as much as I could take in at that point, I loved it because they encouraged me to be who I want to be. That's good.
0: You have been coming and going since then. You have learned how to adult. Just recently. Yeah. Well, again, you know, this happens a lot with children of trauma they are often slow to learn the skills of adulting because they have to unlearn the coping skills from their previous experiences.
2: Yeah, I feel like it took me a long time. And i that's why I didn't come around a lot because I was still trying to figure myself. I was down on myself a lot. I figured George didn't <gasps> like me. <laughs> you were down on yourself? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible
0: shock, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were in and out and you, you, you know, you'd have times when you were coming around and times when you were not and you stayed with us for a while, but then you'd have abusive girlfriends and run away. And, you know, as you were trying to figure yourself out, and then you were coming around more, and you were starting to do some functional adulting that you would feel more comfortable being what you felt to be a more stable presence in our world then we had this conversation where you were like, hey, wait, that's a thing? That, that like, people are like not just girls or not just boys? Yes. I still bigger myself at 28 years old. So after we had that discussion, then we got for you for your birthday, which actually I had gotten it for George because we had heard the author on a handful of other podcasts, the um, Dara Hoffman Fox book, You and Your Gender Identity. It it, it seemed like a good queer thing to have, and George said, you know, this is a thing that we might need, that we might want to have around, and I thought it would be interesting just to look at it, because I'm a teacher, and so workbooks are kind of, you know, an interest. And so we got this book and we were planning on looking at it and planning on reading it. And then you and I had this conversation and you were like, yeah, I think that might kind of be what I am. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm giving you for your birthday. It was a perfect gift. And
2: what were some of the things that that
0: helped you understand about yourself going through this process of self-discovery?
2: It broke down pretty much all the gender, oh, I don't know the right wording, gender categories. Okay. And so at first I was thinking I was non-binary, but agender might be more specific because it just broke it down more. I'm still working through it, honestly. Was there anything in particular in the book that seemed like
0: interesting to you or that was particularly useful to you or that...
2: Just the way it broke down the gender categories and also how there's a lot of self-care tips as far as feeling okay with who you are and just reassuring that. That's really important. They have a self-care checklist that you're supposed to refer back and forth between exercises just as far as like to keep your mind in a positive state, just encouraging you to... I think it's good to
0: maintain that positivity, especially when a lot of people may have trauma around their gender dysphoria, having dealt with like you were expressing so many negative experiences that can cause some serious trauma. And so it's hard to revisit those things in the process of discovering yourself. And it is important, I think, to be able to engage in the self-care to help heal from those things.
2: Exactly. And they do encourage that after every exercise. Go back to the self-care checklist, do something, get yourself back to being positive, and then go on to the next thing. Awesome. Can I skim through? Yes. Thank you. I'd probably be better at that.
0: I don't see any writing in here. Did you write in like a notebook or someplace where it says write up? I have been writing in a notebook. Okay. I
2: didn't want to mark it up in case someone else needed to. So you say
0: that now you've come into an understanding of yourself as being a gender. Correct. And what does that mean for you? How do you conceptualize yourself?
2: I don't have a gender as far as I can see. I mean, I know technically my body is female, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a girl or boy. Do you see something else, a third gender or just an absence of anything gendered? No gender, just human. And that in itself is a little bit confusing because there's not many people like me. So to know how to act or what to do is just very confusing. I'm still learning how to deal with that.
0: Well, it's good that you're working on learning. You you have a good point in saying that it's hard to understand your category when there aren't many examples of it. When you're sort of paving your own path, there's not a lot of direction, because there are no directions. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you're, you're sort of fumbling about and figuring it out. But I think you're doing a really good job. And I think it's great that the book encourages the self care and developing the self confidence to be able to do that. So agender is one of many genderqueer identities. Do you recall some of the other ones that you sort of considered but set aside or why you might have thought of them? Or
2: There was a couple. I've always been called androgynous. There's bigender. So I considered being both. Am I both? No, I'm neither. Uh, Non-binary. It's very close. But a gender just like I said, it's probably more specific. Good. Good. I like that. The understanding of genderqueer, like people are
0: just coming to an understanding of transgender as a thing. Right. And so the idea of all these other, you know, using genderqueer as an umbrella term for all the genderqueer identities. Agender, non binary, princess man. <laughs> That's my gender, by the way. Thank you very much. Princess man? Princess man. I like it. I am
2: a princess man. It fits doesn't it? (laughs) Now that I think about it,
0: he, he, he did. It's his, he, he, he assigned the label. And I said, you know, I mean, if if somebody assigns you a label and you're like, don't label me, but then you're like, wait a minute, I guess you're right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a princess man. The, the understanding of things that are not binary, again, fighting that sense of heteronormativity. George is a guy. He is his trans experience is purely binary. I'm jealous.
2: You and me both, dude. (laughs) Honestly, when I think about myself, I wish I could have a guy's upper body and then like a Ken Barbie's bottom, like no genitalia.
0: Now, this might be a little bit weird for me asking you as a parent, but when you interact with partners, do they interact with your genitalia or do you just like, no,
2: I I don't have this. Just ignore it. Or you could
0: say, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay to say that.
2: They try to, most of the time, it's just too awkward for me. That makes sense. Does it? Yes, it it does. It makes me feel weird. No, that's totally
0: understandable. And in fact, in the cisgender lesbian community, and I don't know if cisgender is the right term anymore now that the understanding of transgender is expanding as much as it has. But there's this whole concept of stone where just don't, I, I get off on you. I don't get off on me.
2: And that's pretty much me. Yes. But trying to explain that to a partner, they begin to question themselves and your love for them and trying to explain to them that they don't get it. That makes a lot of sense. It makes People it are hard. weird.
0: I'm weird. You're you're <laughs> unusual, but I don't know if that means weird. You're actually not totally abnormal. <laughs> And I think, again, it's that sense of if you are not in connection with a larger community, and if you were not familiar with the concept or the terminology for stone, then that's not something that you can say, hey, here's the thing, go look it up. Right. You're just like, no, this really is just me and I'm just really messed up. And so again, without that verbiage to explain and the idea that there is a category for me, and I am a thing that exists, it's, again, it's really othering and dehumanizing to say, I- I'm the only one who's like this, and I- I'm-, I'm just messed up, and I'm wrong.
2: Well, I probably wouldn't think that way if I had more examples, or if partners weren't so scrutinizing of it. Your partners are not very helpful anyway. My milkshake brings all the creases of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's true! It's true! It's
0: <laughs> true! And like the, the day I started disliking your last ex was the day that you said that they were not a big fan of you being genderqueer
2: in any variety, just be a boy or be a girl. And I'm like, mm, it's not like you get to pick that. When I brought home that book is when she, I think, first started questioning it or giving me a hard time about it. She was like, can't you just pick a gender and go with it? What are you, trans? Because I don't want to be with someone that's trans. And started giving me a hard time. So I had to kind of put the book on the shelf and not look at it. Rar pretend I was normal. That's no good. That's why I'm single.
0: Well, you and see, normal. you are normal, and this is another thing that happens that genderqueer is part of the trans umbrella. You know, there's transgender as an umbrella term. There's also transgender as a specific binary term. But as an umbrella term, it includes male to female, female to male, those binary sets, along with the genderqueer, which is like a smaller umbrella inside the bigger umbrella. Like you ever seen like the pumpkins or the peppers where they have a little baby one inside of the big one? Yes. Yes. It's like the big umbrella and the little umbrella. (laughs) It is admittedly a small group, but it's growing as people understand this is a thing. And so, the genderqueer umbrella, including people like you who are agender, who experience no sense of masculinity, femininity, or something else entirely, and people like me who experience some weird, mildly fluid sense of both combined with something else—that you know, there are there are people like us out there.
2: I'm sure there are. I would just like to meet more of them, any of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a Tumblr yet? (laughs) I do. Even identifying with people who may or may not be a gender like you, people who are outside of the binary, who are genderqueer as part of, you know, that umbrella group. Right. When we go to, there's a local transgender group. I don't even try and explain my identity because they are all so bloody binary that they're just going to look at me like, you said what? Get the (laughs) fuck out. Especially
1: because you look.
0: Because I present femme and because I am married to a straight man. And I don't know why your orientation is somehow always indicative of your identity to onlookers. Again, it's that heteronormativity thing. Right. Right. So here's the question, and this is going to be a question that somebody will probably ask you. If you're not a woman, does that mean you're still gay? Yes.
2: (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) All I know is I'm a human and I like females. So if it makes it easier for someone to label me as lesbian, I'll take it. That's kind of where our cousin Vinny is at.
0: Where, you know, they're like, if your labels make my life easier, then you can have them. (laughs)
2: Right, well, that's why I don't correct people anymore. They call me sir, ma'am, I'll accept it, whatever, as long as you're being nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Cousin Vinny is a fad.
0: cousin vinny is a total fag and here's the other thing that makes me think of cousin vinny they said that if they were to ever transition they would have to transition to be like a really faggy gay man because that is just how their wiring is they are by nature homosexual they are by nature attracted to that which is like their own body i can see that And so, again, this is, it's a weird thing that orientation and identity are related, but not, but yeah.
2: Is it weird that if I start to act feminine, I think of myself as more of a gay boy? Like, when I'm acting feminine, I don't think of myself, oh, I'm being feminine. I'm like, oh, that's very gay boyish of me.
0: That was George for a long time. You know, if he was doing something more, it, it was not feminine. It was effeminate.
2: Right. Or through high school, a lot of people try to, let me just dress you up. Let me just try to put you in a dress, put you in some It feels makeup. like drag. Exactly. I was like, no, I'm in, I'm in drag. Yes. You know what? Why didn't I be famous? I go to
0: work every day in drag <laughs> and I've got them all fooled. <laughs> so it's normal. It is normal. All of these things. Okay. You have to understand. I have a math degree, so I'm going to approach normal slightly differently, but it's really just a statistical measure of average. That or the line perpendicular to a curve, but that's completely irrelevant at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So no, we are not normal. We are not statistically average, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. That doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. It just means that people are not going to understand it and that it's going to be slightly harder, just like anything that is not the majority. And that's what I'm still training myself after years of. And that's understandable. And I think a lot of our listeners probably deal with that same thing, whether they're binary or not, you know, having years of traumatic experiences around being abnormal. right. To come to some sense of peace about their unusual sense of normal, their uh,
2: abnormalities, their differences... I think that's why I love this book so much, because they do reassure that multiple times throughout the book, like you're normal, you are okay.
0: There's nothing wrong with exactly. you. Exactly. There's nothing There's, wrong with you. And that's the other thing. There's so much moral judgment around some of these things, you know, and you could say moral as in religious, or we could say moral as in socio-cultural stigma. Either way, it comes with a lot of emotional weight, a lot of negativity to carry in your brain while you're trying to figure shit out. Exactly. So if there was an option to transition to something non-binary, you've said that you would prefer a flat chest. Completely. Would you prefer more
2: muscles, facial hair, things like that? I could definitely, like, I I find facial hair awesome and I definitely would have, like, a muscular upper body. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know what to do with my bottom half.
0: You know, a lot of people don't. And I think that's, again, that's totally okay.
2: I don't even like thinking about it or looking at it. But my upper half, I'm like, now if these boobs were just not here, that'd be great. We could lend you some binders and you could try it out for a couple
0: days if you wanted to experiment when you're ready. But then I'm going to really throw people off. Fuck em. Well,
2: not literally. (laughs) Definitely not literally. No.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, at this point, especially since, you know, you've just got a new job and you're trying to get established. And so it's probably better to maintain some sense of cultural normalcy until you get established. And this is the thing we've talked about before of privilege and social capital. Right. Once you get established, though, you already have your social capital established and you can start experimenting. Like, you don't want to wear the shirt with the tiny hole in it while people are still examining you. But once they get used to you, you can wear the shirt with the tiny hole in it and nobody's going to notice because they're not examining you anymore.
2: I feel like I could probably start experimenting in a way because there are so many queers at my work and I've already been there for a couple weeks. Right. Right. I feel like I'm not even a weird thing there. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's great. As long as I dress fancy, I'm good. That is an important
0: thing <laughs> that you do have to dress yourself nicer when you are lacking in other aspects of social capital. And George and I talked about that last week too. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that
2: interesting. How about facial hair? Facial hair? You want a beard? I wouldn't probably have like full beard. <laughs> I like mustaches. You do.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do. I like, And I like sideburns. I wish my sideburns would get really long.
0: Interesting. A lot of these things could be achieved through hormones. You would have a more mus- muscular upper body. It would give you the muscle in your pecs to work off some of the fatty tissue in your chest. You would end up with a deeper voice. I feel like I already do have kind of a... No. No? No. You have a middle range female voice, a high male voice. Okay. And it has resonances that are distinctly either adolescent male or female. They are clearly... Your your vocal folds are clearly not affected by testosterone.
2: No. I, and I try to even... Like when we go to the gym mm-hmm. I or in the locker room, I try to speak a little bit more high pitch, so people don't question why is there a boy in here
0: <laughs> yeah have you seen um any of ivan coyote's work i haven't they are a genderqueer storyteller and performer and writer author amazing human being talked about their experience of being in the women's restroom very eloquently i'll send you the link and i'll tag it in the show notes too spoke very eloquently about the experience of being in a specifically gendered space and the discomfort that they feel about everyone else's discomfort. And, you know, applied it specifically to a bathroom, but it's something that a lot of us have experienced that, you know, again, you're normal. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you do talk a little higher and you ask your friend for a tampon or you, you know... (laughs) stupid little things like that that say, hi, everyone, I'm a girl.
2: I'm really meant to be in here, I swear. A boy mm-hmm. didn't sneak in here to look at you. I promise.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it is a thing that happens. And there are a lot of ways to manage that. But then, you know, if you took those hormones, you would have to switch to the other locker room. Right. Which, there are dicks, but... Ugh. <laughs> 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 Nobody looks at them anyway. <laughs>
2: see and that's where I'm just like I don't like either (laughs) right right yeah and it's tricky
0: for me I can understand and relate to the idea of not having an established path for creating your own space in the world I I spent a lot of time on the internet the internet is my native country as George will gladly attest (laughs) And so I was very familiar with the queer and genderqueer community, but it's there, there's not a lot of established procedure for genderqueer transition. And for now, I am choosing not to. Someday I, you know, there's this thought in the back of my head that maybe someday I'll use testosterone. Really? Because I want a deeper voice and I want a beard.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> nice. I want
0: my boobs in my front hole. I don't want those to go away. But I want a beard and a deeper voice to go with
2: them. So, wait, just random question. How do you feel about that? Like, like she had a beard and you'd be okay with that? I don't care. He, he you guys have, like, the perfect
1: relationship. He
0: says that now. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you guys rub beards together.
1: Say <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying. You say you need to shave your face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. See, like when you see queer models on the TV or queer representation, are there any role models or icons that stick out like sort of as, ooh, that is what I want to be like, or that is what I identify with?
2: I haven't really looked into it enough. I look up to people that can go through the transition though, because I don't know if I have the cojones who they can, they can attach those for you. (laughs) <laughs> you don't want one of those, though. That's that's no, the thing. I want nothing down there. I don't know. I'm still looking into it because I'm still discovering myself. So,
0: Well, yeah, and that's why, like I said, I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm just discussing the options no, for the sake of our listeners.
2: It helps being able to talk about it because I don't have anybody else I can really talk to about it that would understand yeah. Everyone else can going to be like, no, you're a dyke. Get over it. Like, did, I,
0: did I show you the pictures of um, Jeffrey Marsh or Jacob Tobiah? The people with beards who have not chosen to medically transition, but are distinctly feminine in their presentation?
1: No. While she's looking that up, I want to say two things. Have you seen Jess's characters in her video games?
2: Um, I remember Dragon 8. Well, I've kind of seen the...
1: It's usually some girl with a beard.
2: I have not
0: noticed that. That's what I want to be.
2: Okay. Which
0: picture do you have?
2: A princess boy. A princess man. Princess man.
1: And the other thing I want to say is I've seen people start to transition F to M and then get to a certain point and decide that was all they needed. They didn't need their whole transition. They just didn't like being feminine. Right. Right. So I've seen them do that. But That's the other one that I really identify with.
2: Keep, I could see you doing that. Yeah.
1: They can't really keep their facial hair without continuing the testosterone. So that's only disadvantage. But the voice doesn't go back.
2: But they also, I've heard people talk down about that as well the F to M's going halfway through with it and then backing out being like, that's not really what I want. And they're like, you're ruining it for the rest of us that know what we want.
0: There are a lot of people who will take any chance they can get to punch down. You just don't
2: expect that from the queer community, I guess. I don't. You you wouldn't.
0: I've been around long enough that I, I expect it from any marginalized community that starts to get any modicum of social acceptance. They're going to start policing their own to try and gain more social acceptance. It happened after the Civil War among the African-American communities. It happened in the Civil Rights Movement again in the African-American and other minority communities. It's happening now in the queer community. This is just a thing that happens and it is unfortunate, but it is kind of expected. I was hoping
2: for more support, I guess. I've learned over the years. You gotta hang
0: out with the right queers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's what I'm... Trying to find is the right queers. I think for anybody, finding people that are supportive of you and not trying to knock you down. And that's what I've had to learn to deal with because I've always thought, maybe I'm thinking wrong. Maybe I have different, too high of expectations. But I've learned, no, I just, everyone's different. It's easy to think that
0: when you have the experience of being different, and all you know is your difference, and you don't know that there's anyone else there like you. And you don't know that there's an established community of people who have similar characteristics and don't see them as a bad thing. If all you know is that you are different, and that in most situations, different is bad, it's really easy to internalize that.
2: So what I've learned is, find the right people to be around people are actually gonna be supportive yay that's why i hang around you guys oh we feel special
0: (laughs) (laughs) you saw me playing dragon age and my female dwarf with boobs and a beard that's that's me up there on that i got boobs and a beard that's me
2: Whenever I play games, I always choose the male character just so I can have my shirt off.
0: <laughs> I, I totally <laughs> dig that. Yes. And
2: I try to, I do get the facial hair and yeah. Uh, I guess it would be more masculine presenting. Yeah. If I had to go with a gender, it'd be more male. They have an easier place in the world too. So, I mean, that wouldn't be a total
0: loss at that point. I mean, it would be <laughs> not good to not be able to be your authentic self. And I hate that term because it's really overused and has become a cliche, your authentic self. But, you know, it wouldn't be all bad in the other side
2: of that either. Well, I already dress like a boy, do boyish things. I don't do anything feminine. I don't even try to wear makeup, no girlish hairstyles. Well, I think the the
0: important distinction to make in that is the difference between habits and presentation against identity. Because there are some people who have a lot of the same habits and mannerisms and presentation as you, who identify solidly as female tomboys. Right. So these are all aspects of how how you present yourself that are decidedly masculine, certainly. But your identity is bigger than that. You definitely have a sense of self that is not tied to a gender. So that's where... It gets confusing for me. It's
2: confusing for a lot of people when they're figuring themselves out. And I think that's why this workbook is great. Definitely. And I'm still going through it. And I actually stumbled across the author on Tumblr. So I've been following her. I've gained other tips that are not in that book.
0: They're kind of an amazing person. I don't know their pronouns, but they are kind of an amazing person. Singular, they can be used for everybody. (laughs) I
2: think they... um, Unless they were... I didn't see their pronouns, but I know they identify as non-binary Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty awesome. It's good.
0: Yay! (laughs) So is that it for now? That's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time! We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! So, we have Child Zero with us today, and Woo. <laughs> you're going to be weird and echoey if you okay. chime in. Okay. So, if you want to chime in, you should be sitting to be closer to, yeah. I'll be quiet.
1: Okay. That would be my perception, but it would be good to get <laughs> his opinion on how <laughs> presenting. Okay. You have to cut all that out.
0: Yes, I have to cut it out anyway, because we're kind of cutting you out of this conversation. Yes, <laughs> You're binary. We don't want you. (laughs)